Welcome to another episode of Capital Roots, brought to you by Capital Farm Credit, where we bring you the experts in the ag industry. In addition to a few Texas legends along the way, we're your hosts, Joe Patronella and Clint Cryer. Thank you for listening. Now let's get back to our roots. Welcome back to another episode of Capital Roots. Today, we are honored to have Mrs. Tiffany Dowell Ashman with Texas A&M AgriLife. She's known as the queen of the internet to some, <laughs> the ag lawyer of Texas. Here we are. Hello, friend. Hello. I am only the queen of the internet to Joe Outlaw, but now you have shared that with everyone. So thank you. Right. <laughs> the well, qu- queen of the internet. I hadn't heard that one yet. That's how she is saved in his phone. In his phone. Yeah, I did have, I did hear a rumor though. I heard you're from New Mexico. That's accurate. I am from New Mexico. Where at? Uh, I went to high school in Logan. Logan, mm-hmm. by the lake. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yep. Exactly. I spent some time in New Mexico, Roswell and Clovis. Okay. Yep. Um, the big cities. I did. Mm-hmm. I did. I, I don't even know if I've ever been to New Mexico. This cannot Serious. be true. Guys, Brazos County, God's country, I hardly get out. Come on, you know this. You just got to feel bad for him, don't you? Mm-hmm. Know. Bless him. I know. Bless, Bless him. him. Indeed. You know, in, in Lubbock, we say bless his heart. <laughs> <laughs> Not the first time someone said that to me. Yep. But I, I do love West Texas. It's nice up here. Yeah. You can breathe. It's not all humid. You can see. This is a, this is a weather vacation for me. Yeah. 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 The no sea, way. you people, when you come down here in my neck of the woods, you're scared of these trees. You can't see anything. So now we're just people? Just people? You blessed me earlier, Clint. Okay. So, Tiffany, we're so glad you're here. Thank you. Hey, um, really, though, you are so well respected in the ag law field. Tell us how you got to do what you do and your road to getting there. Yeah, sure. So I've been involved in agriculture my entire life. I grew up uh, third generation on my family's farm and ranch operation there in eastern New Mexico. Um, Super involved in 4-H and FFA. I you know, did judging and showing and uh, public speaking, all those kind of things that we all did in 4-H and FFA. What show? What I show, I showed sheep and pigs. Okay. My family has a show lamb operation. So <gasps> yeah, raised, raised our own sheep. Um, yeah. And so then I went to um, college at Oklahoma State, got an ag business degree and really didn't know what I wanted to do, honestly. Yeah. Um, and somebody kind of said, well, like you make pretty good grades. Maybe you should look at law school. And I wish I had a better story, but truthfully, that's where we landed. And so. I, my law school story is I got a C in Kim 101 and I was like, well, I'm not going to get to be a vet anymore. Vet school's and out. So yeah. it was just law school. So same. It's like, I never really was passionate about the law. I just wanted to kind of stay in ag. So yeah ag law there we are no exactly the same like i mean i really didn't i guess i knew kind of one lawyer growing up and he was like the lawyer in town right but i didn't Mm -hmm. know anything about the legal fields or opportunities or anything like that i didn't know anything about law school i didn't know what i was getting myself into no me neither because i didn't know anybody who had gone right i mean really uh so i'll tell you what happened at at oklahoma state they have like a pre-law club and so i joined the like pre-law club yeah and they would bring in speakers like lawyers would come in admissions officers from law schools Mm -hmm. Um, and truthfully, like that's probably the reason I ended up at law school was being a part of that group and kind of learning um, uh, the process. So no, same. I was in the A and M one, and if she hadn't helped me with my like admission statement, I wouldn't have gotten in because she was like, "Oh, honey, this, this let's let's edit yeah. this." Yeah, no, a thousand percent. I think all the time, like I need to thank that woman who was the the like you know faculty liaison to this ad uh-huh. law group because I I like you. I don't think I would have gone. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I ended up going to law school. Um, and like I said, I always knew I wanted to be involved in ag. Didn't necessarily know that ag law was really a thing. I, I think it's much trendier now well, than when we is. were in school. And when I was even in private practice right out of law school, I did, 
I never really held myself out to be an ag lawyer because I would help with a real estate contractor. I would, I would help with a lease on crops or something, but I never got to be as involved as I am at Capital working for an ag organization, or I still don't think I am as much as you, but we are ag lawyers now. And that, that wasn't a thing back then. Yeah, that was, I mean, or it really, as much of a thing, it right? really wasn't as much of a thing. And you know, now there are law schools that have like ag law courses and have ag law groups, you know, at the law school level, that wasn't my experience. And no. so I'm thrilled that they have those. Uh, like you, Joe, I went and did private practice for about four years um, at a great civil litigation firm in Albuquerque and really learned to be a lawyer there. Nothing ag related at all, um, but great experience, great people. Um, and yeah, then it, I love my time there because I needed that to learn how to be a lawyer, but yeah, this is passion, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so this email then comes across my desk that says like, hey, there's this opening at Texas A&M and it described the job that I have now. And I thought like, I couldn't have written out a more dream job type position. Uh, and so I immediately applied. I had been to College Station one time for a football game. Um, and I applied and like moved, you know, immediately to take this position with Texas Stadium. Did you move to College Station? I did. So I started my job in College Station. Really? I was there for about a year and a half. Uh, okay. Um, and then I was getting married and he did not live in College Station. Okay. And so they let me transfer and I'm based. So now I'm based in our um, Amarillo Research and Extension Center and I cover the entire state um, of you Texas. You know I love Amarillo, Texas. I, same, it's, same, it's same. It's a wonderful place yeah. in my heart. Wow, okay. Yeah. Well, I never knew you were down there for a bit. Mm -hmm, I was. Clint, I'm shocked you didn't make an Aggie joke there. I kept my mouth shut. <laughs> but just, uh... so That's right. When did you start in this position? So I started here 10 years ago, um, started in June of 2013. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I've been here 10 years. Okay. How has it changed in that time? Like from the work that you do and, and how you've gone about impacting farmers and ranchers? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, I, when I came in, one really cool thing about the extension specialist role is although we're all under the A&M umbrella, we have a lot of leeway to sort of develop the program we want to develop. So for example, I came in and nobody in our group had a blog, nobody had a podcast. I mean, that just wasn't things that the extension specialists did, mm -hmm. but I was interested in that. And so I was able to sort of build that on my own. So I've always been able to sort of shape my own path, which is one part of this job that I think is really fun, right? Mm -hmm. I get to work on the issues I wanna work on. I get to work on the type of content that I want to work on. I love that. Um, how has it changed? You, you know, I think, um, especially with COVID, we do more and more stuff online now. So, you know, I, I'll zoom in and do programs. That was not a thing when 2013, yeah. right? We just didn't, I, Zoom may not have existed. I don't know. Sure. Um, but we certainly didn't use it. I Zoom a lot now. So, you know, zoom. that's changed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does sound like it's a sound effect, not a mechanism, right? Yeah, just... Uh... Well, we don't actually use Zoom at Capital Farm Credit. We use WebEx, and the uh, new thing is Teams, Teams. which... So, so. Listen, I don't know what I'm allowed to say here, but I don't, I'm not a huge Teams fan. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm not a big WebEx fan. Because really? you can't use it externally. But I use, here's a great story for, for Clint to I'm tell I'm sure right that now. our listeners are very interested in our, our, <laughs> yeah. I, use, <laughs> I use the internal <laughs> mechanism capital farm credit requires called the view. Clint? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Clint does not. I'm a rule follower. Clint is a rule of convenience. You realize, okay, I got to explain this to you guys. You guys are both attorneys. The, that's why we need attorneys. That's why. That's right. Yes. That's right. And 
inside of the view, you cannot use Zoom. And so I have to like pull up my personal laptop whenever I have to Zoom. And if I don't bring it, so yeah. anyways, some of, back to our podcast, because this is probably going to be yep. cut anyway, so nobody cares. So, so I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm curious. So your position with extension, I may have missed it. So let's go back to that and establish it. Yeah, so I um, am in the agricultural economics department, okay. and I'm an agricultural law specialist. So law specialist. just like Extension has like a corn specialist and they have mm-hmm. a beef cattle specialist, I'm an ag law specialist. So I don't represent any private clients. I don't, you know, go to court for anybody. I don't draft documents for anybody. I strictly am here to do like educational outreach to rural landowners and ag producers in Texas. Mm-hmm. So that's my role. And I cover, like I say, the entire state. Um, which can be a bit overwhelming. So if, if I'm involved in agriculture and I got a speeding ticket on the way to, to the ranch and heritage center this morning. Hypothetically. Yeah, of course. Is, yeah. So that's covered with an extension for sure. Not covered with it. Sure. Okay. No, no. Just thought I'd check. For, I'm asking for a friend. Uh, honestly. Yeah. 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 Not for yeah. You. Yeah. 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 Tiffany writes these ag law in the field blogs. So it's the Texas agriculture law blog. Ag law in the field is the podcast. Tiffany, tell us more about these things because clearly I've melded them in my mind. Yeah. So Regardless, every ag lawyer I know lives and dies by them. Like she really is phenomenal at what she does. That's very kind. So I do have a blog. It's called the Texas Agriculture Law Blog. And so once or twice a week, I put out some sort of content on ag law news. So if a case comes out, I'll have a summary of the case. Um, earlier this week, the new Waters of the U.S. rule came out had a summary on the new waters of the U.S. rules. So just trying to get people information about, you know, what's going on in the law. So that's a blog, written form on the internet. Mm -hmm. Um, I also have a podcast, like you all do. It's called Ag Law in the Field. And that's where I interview ag lawyers about different topics. Um, I've been doing this now for five or six years. How many episodes Um, are out? I think we're releasing 161 next week. And is it weekly? Is it... So I started out weekly and then I figured out real quick. That's a lot. That's not sustainable. (laughs) No. Yeah. So uh, now it's bi-weekly. So every other week. Okay. Mm -hmm. You should go and, and like, and follow and subscribe, Joe. I already do. Oh, you do? You didn't even know the name of it. Okay. I didn't even think you knew how to get to a podcast. (laughs) I didn't know because it automatically comes to me, Tiffany. I get it. I get it. Yeah. yeah. How did you come up with that name? Jim Bradbury okay. is a lawyer in Austin and I was telling him I was going to start a podcast and he said, you have to call it Ag Law in the Field. So I'll credit Jim Bradbury for that title. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, is that the synopsis of the Queen of the Internet title? Yeah, no, truthfully, yes, it yes. is. So Joe Outlaw, right? He, listen, I probably shouldn't say this. He doesn't even know what a podcast is. Like he'll tell you that <laughs> he, he would does. He tell you that. He will tell you he does podcasts and what he does is like, YouTube videos, mm-hmm. but he doesn't know the difference, right? Mm-hmm. So like, we'll poke fun at him sometimes for like his not knowing the difference. Well, then I come in and I start this blog, I start this podcast, I start to get like a social media following and he has dubbed me the queen of the internet. Joe yep. Outlaw came on this podcast. He's been on before me. Uh-huh. Yep. Joe and Bart. See, oh, Joe's, Joe's got Bart to keep him straight now though. Yeah. Listen, don't I know? Yeah, I'm yep. a little jealous. <laughs> and I think Bart's an Okie State guy. He is. That's he what is. I thought. Yes. I know yeah. he's from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. See, I'm making that connection. Raider. I, obviously, I should have known in Lubbock. I mean, yeah, of course. <laughs> so, um, okay, I have, a, I have a little pivot that I've been meaning to ask you about. Okay. Your kids show mini Herefords. <laughs> Can you give yeah. me a peek inside the mini Hereford world? It just, it's, it, it eludes me. 
Yeah. So this was a totally new experience for me. Um, you know, my husband is kind of a show cattle, uh, guy. We always kind of knew our kids would show cattle. We raise cattle. Um, I didn't show them growing up, but we've always raised them. You didn't raise mini Herefords. Did not. No, okay. no I never, I'm not sure I had seen a mini Hereford. Okay. Um, but as it turns out, you have to wait till your kid is nine years old and in the third grade or whatever the rule yeah. is to show. Um, and we didn't want to wait that long. And so we had some friends who were showing mini Herefords and you can start showing mini Herefords at three. Probably three. because they're such they're a tiny so dust. So small. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Docile is questionable. We'll get to that. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, so we started uh, when my little girl was five, my little boy was six. Um, we got each of them a mini Hereford steer. Uh, that was a year ago. We've been showing for a year. It has been the absolute best experience I've had as a mom. Wow. Um, uh, I mean, I grew up in the show program. I would have told you how wonderful it is and how we raise kids with it and da 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 da. Seeing it with for my own kids has been really phenomenal. Yeah. Um, my daughter in particular, very shy, very scared of things. I mean, like, would not go out and like run out um, for her little cheerleading thing at the football game because people were looking at her. I mean, just wouldn't do it. Now you put this, you know, 700 pound steer in her hand and she's just like killing it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so it's been great. Uh, we've had a lot of success and it's been, it's been a lot of fun. So the mini Herefords, yeah, yeah, they're interesting. We will show them until my kids are old enough to show big cattle and then we'll retire from ahead. the mini Hereford scene. I love scene. that. Mm -hmm. I've always thought mini Herefords were pretty cool. It's, I'd never seen them until you posted a picture of them. I was like, yeah, that I, I, I get it now. It's real cute. And I'll tell you too, like, I think it's good because my kids aren't scared of them. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're not their size, but they're closer to their same size. My kids aren't like terrified. And so mm -hmm. the other thing is they already are learning how to show, right? Like yeah. my little girl's six, she won a showmanship thing the other day at Parade of Breeds in Plainview. By the time she's nine, I'm hoping we're gonna have a leg up on some people because sure. we've got, you know, four years of experience. experience. Yeah. Yeah. So are you competitive? Mm -mm. I couldn't a little, tell. A little. I know it's very <laughs> yeah. shocking. I just, hide it so just well. A <laughs> just a uh, little. Yeah. Um, okay, so let me ask you this. You deal with, you know, numerous facets of the law and people all over the state. Um, and we just watched you do a succession planning program. What is your favorite area to advise on on behalf of extension? Notice I'm always doing that because you're not a, a, yes. a private practice attorney, but maybe favorite or most meaningful or what you think is the most helpful. Cause a lot of these individuals, they don't have other areas except for their operation or their family or their farm to deal with. So what do you, what do you find the most at the end of the day, when you lay your head down, what are you proudest of having done? Yeah, I, I think I'll give you two topics. Uh, one of them, as far as like what I think is the most practically helpful, it's landowner liability. Okay. You know, talking to folks about things like you got to have liability insurance there are these great statutes that Texas has that protect you from liability. And if you just know about them, this can be a huge protection to your operation. I just think from like a practically helpful standpoint to people, I love doing that presentation because I think it really does give people something to really like go home and do tomorrow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. From a like personal fulfillment, like I feel like I'm, you know, making a big difference in my calling type of a perspective, probably the estate and succession planning. Yeah. And That's you know, that awesome one, that one's not really my bread and butter. I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty high level. I don't get way in the weeds, but you know, coming from a generational farm and ranch family, um, with the history my family has, right. My grandfather died suddenly, um, at the age of 45, my grandma had a job in town and two teenage sons to raise in a farm. Mm. Everybody told her to sell the farm. You know, this was in the seventies. Everybody said, sell the farm and move to town. And she didn't. 
Um, and so, her. yeah. So from a, you know, a, a perspective of being able to help farm and ranch families and feel like I'm really doing something that is meaningful. That's probably my favorite topic. Well, and it's, everybody always focuses on the tax aspect and the legal aspect and even the banking aspect, but there's the wild card of the familial aspect. It's not an easy conversation to have. It, even if it is an easy conversation to have, there, it's not always an equitable conversation to have, but it is still a conversation to have. And, and so many families, even if they have every other aspect of their operation running like a fine tuned machine, yeah. it, it, that is, if that isn't had, yeah. You know? I mean, it's amazing. And like you say, just the conversation piece, I mean, we'll be put us the legal stuff obviously is important, but just the conversation piece of, you know, talking about, Hey, what is our plan for the future? Like who's interested in doing what here? I mean, are we looking at selling this or not? Like, and nobody wants to think about dying. So Correct. I get why well, we don't want to talk about it, but like, man, talk about something that's important to do and free, right? Farmers mm -hmm. like free stuff. Here's mm -hmm. you a free thing. Like, you know, sit down with your family and yeah. talk through some of this. You know, and I, I, I've talked to one like family communication specialist who does this for a living, like works with farm and ranch families. And she said, a lot of times you don't even start with, let's talk about the estate plan. Let's just get them talking yes. about anything other than like, okay, we need to do this in this field today. And that this group calves needs uh -huh. whatever, like just start them communicating with each other at all. Right. And then build up to this. Point. Well, I thought out there you said a really really poignant thing or you closed with it of remember the why yeah like if if you want to see your kids in two decades or heck you probably won't see your kids in two decades doing it but if you want your kids in two decades to still be irrigating that same past oh i say pasture because i'm far yeah ranch, sure but field yeah. yeah field that was done you know four generations ago you got to have that conversation. You have to make this plan. You have to make sure that's going to happen. And so that's, that's just a really motivating way to go about it. So that, that would be my same answer as opposed to, Oh, I love entity formation. Yeah. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which right. is also a necessary part of it. It's but, a piece of it, but that's not the yeah, fun part. Yeah. No. Right. So it's interesting. I think, I think we talk in agriculture and, and, and ag leader circles, we talk a lot about next generation producers, mm -hmm. next generation farmers, next generation ranchers but it's interesting as you really if you really consider the next generation for the next generation to be ushered in the previous generation has to have a plan to you know move on it as well yeah. and i think we don't probably pay as much attention to that correct oh yeah we're terrible about it you know, there was a I, I need to like screenshot this and save it but there was a thing on twitter and, and somebody in the midwest said you know my neighbor just finished harvesting his first ever corn crop by himself and like, that's the line. And there's a picture. Uh -huh. And then like two lines, the other, there's a skip some space. And it says he's 72 because his dad was 95 wow. Wow. and had still been in control of everything. Right. Wow. Didn't, didn't we don't let go. Right. No. And so you think about that again, from an succession planning standpoint, like perhaps when he turned 60, we could have let him have some control or some say into this. Uh -huh. um, maybe that's not right for every family. I don't know their story, but it was really interesting. And tons of people started commenting on it being like, oh, same, like nobody, you know, mm -hmm. we don't ever have these types of conversations. And so I just think it's interesting. Well, I th you hit a different nail on the head maybe by accident there, but you said it maybe because it's different for every family or something. It is. And we were just talking to Jack Cowan about that. That can be comforting in different areas because he was saying, you know, don't be afraid to learn and grow because every operation is different. And mm -hmm. that's something I do love about ag too, is that 
just because you do it differently than somebody else doesn't mean it's wrong. Totally different vantage point, but that is something I find refreshing about ag, just on a totally different note. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I think so too. So on the topic of succession, you know, AgriLife has a lot of tools out there that are available to producers and a lot of different aspects of, of the business. What, what does AgriLife have outside of, you know, your resources, for, you know, that might help some of our producers, our customers, or anybody listening really with that succession process? Yeah, you know, from a succession planning perspective, we've done a lot of podcasts on this with like really like experts around the country. Um, one kind of fun one is we did a cool one after Queen Elizabeth passed away. Shannon oh, Farrell came on and we talked about what you can learn from the royal family about farm and ranch succession planning. Uh, but it turns out his grandma, I don't remember the exact details, but like Shannon's great grandma was like a nanny or something for the royal family. So like there's this, this connection. Of course there was, right? Yeah. Um, so we've got that. You know, uh, a resource I always point folks to, Oklahoma State University has a really good farm transitions handbook. I mean, it's like a book. Um, of just all the things to think about if you're looking at transitioning the operation. Um, I've got a video series I did. Texas Corn Producers got a grant and it's basically just my succession planning program recorded and put on the internet for oh, anybody to listen to. Okay. Um, so that's available as well. But yeah, lots of, and then, you know, outside of just extension, I mean, tons of folks have great resources on this. I think Capital's got resources. You know, Farm mm -hmm. Journal has resources. There's lots of information out there on how to get the ball rolling on a good succession plan. Cool. That's good to know. Yeah. I've got to check out the Farm Transitions Handbook. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's amazing. It's so I bet it's like 200 pages. I mean, they go through everything that you could possibly think of from a transition perspective. Yep. I think the main thing is just having getting started not letting it overwhelm you to the point of paralyzation yeah well know? that's it and so i mean the way we structure the presentation when i give one is a five-step thing because of exactly what you said so many people are just paralyzed by the idea of i don't know where to start so i'm not going to do anything and listen as a personality who does that in my own life i'm sympathetic right yeah and so that's where i'm like let's get a list of like here's five things you can go and do and get started because once you start I'm not going to say it's not difficult or it's not complicated, but once you get started, like see progress it goes, go. it'll start moving, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Cool. So I got a, I've got a queen of the internet question. Hit me. Oh gosh. And I you, you mentioned, this. I'm sorry. You mentioned Twitter. Yes. Could you explain Twitter to Joe? <laughs> he asks as if I don't know what Twitter is. I'm not saying I don't, but I'm not saying I don't, you know? Well, is it, is it now called the app, like formerly known as Twitter? Because well, now it's like got an X. Well, I, it's, so I don't. I think it's called X, which can we even say that on like that sounds. You know, I think a single X is okay. Yeah, it's multiple X's. I think that sure. Could be okay, but it just he's trying everything he can to ruin that website. You know, because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I, I, I could use a few bill. Come on. So so in all seriousness, are you guys uh, involved or watch the hashtag Ag Twitter stuff? No. No. Okay. Uh, okay. Tell us about it. So it's, it's interesting that there's King a lot of the internet. There's a lot yeah. of producers and a lot of people like us, honestly, that uh -huh. are on Twitter that post agricultural stuff. It may be, you know, about current harvest. It may be farming. It may be cattle or whatever, but it's also always hashtag tw ag Twitter. Ag Twitter. Okay. So when you start looking to at that ag Twitter stuff, a lot of times it, it comes up, you know, in your feed. Okay. It's interesting though, that there were some people on there that were f frauds. Oh, TX Puncher. You should look it up. The story of TX Puncher and his wife. They they fancied themselves as South Texas ranchers and they posted all kinds of stuff that misled people into 
you know, they uh-huh. were actually ranchers selling calves and talking about cowboying and talking about markets and comparing notes with other producers on there. And it came out, you know, it was actually some guy in the Midwest that was pretending. He was not a Texas puncher. Yep. Wow. That's crazy. I didn't know that. It's Ever- an interesting story that, you know, if you're ever bored, you should look yeah. it up. Everybody wants to be a Texan. That's right. You know? That's right. Wow. Anyway, I got us off track there a little bit. That's okay. I, I liked it. It was, it was Every day you learn something new to Clint. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yep. Yeah. So New Mexico. Talk about growing, in, uh, growing up in New Mexico. Yeah. So like I say my family um, has this place. My grandparents start, bought it and started in the 50s. Um, we've got uh, cropland and ranch land. So we raise sheep, uh, primarily a show lamb, mm-hmm. uh, sheep flock, um, commercial cattle operation. And then we farm uh, like alfalfa, milo, wheat, Mm-hmm. Um, and we're in the irrigation project where they like dam up the Canadian river and we irrigate when there's water, sure. um, allocated out of the river. So yeah, grew up doing that. Um, my dad's still there. You know, he's the one, like I said, my grandma kind of held it together and my dad, uh, never left and kind of Kept made a lot of sacrifices to yeah. keep our family operation going. And so, yeah, yeah, that's, that's our family, um, operation in New Mexico. We're still super involved, you know, live in Texas, but we're back and forth a lot uh, on the interstate between there and here. That's not that far. What? No, it's from from where I'm at. Uh, it's about two and a half hours. Oh, gotcha. That's not bad. That me to Dallas. Cool. So make a trip home. Hit the lake. Yeah, we do love the lake. Yeah. So um, my aunt actually has a lake house at Conscious Lake. Which oh yeah. Is the lake we irrigate out of, yep. which is okay. interesting. Um, and so yeah, so we are we are lake frequenters of yep. Conscious Lake. So my grandparents had a house at, at Lake Con- or Conscious Lake growing up. Really? Yep. No joke. Yep. Yep. So been to Conscious, been to Ute. Yep. Yep. We're about three miles from Ute Lake, my folks. I got you. Okay. But my aunt, see, has the lake house with all the like lake toys. Mm. It's much easier to just like roll in there and like go there and everything step out here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. So how many kids did you say you had? I've got two kids. Yep. I've got a little boy who is almost eight and a little girl who is almost seven. Both into showing... Both show, yes. Awesome. Yeah, both show many Herefords. We, uh, like I said, started last year. Um, we've retired two steers now. Um, and we have brought in one, a second one uh, on the way. So, yeah, cool. we're, we're deep in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we are many Herefordians. Yeah, I tell people all the time, like, you can't, and maybe this is true on the entire showing thing, I don't know, but it's for sure true on the many Herefords. You can't look at any of the economics of this. So, like, no, the, the uh-uh. ag economist in me cannot do any math my dad tells me that it's a priceless experience it is when when i was showing horses growing up my dad would be like i cannot believe i'm paying this and my mom said well you could be paying for rehab otherwise well that's right yeah yeah, yeah. you know yes yeah they try to sell me on this experience like some people pay to go to disney world and we you know pay to put these steers in a cool room every <laughs> day i don't know so are they going in a cool room oh yeah we have a cool room You're serious that is cooler than my house <laughs> clint long hair Oh, we have good hair. We do have good hair. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, it's fun. It really is fun. Are there many Bramans? Bramans? I don't know, because you could raise many Brayfords. That's what men. I was thinking. I want Many them. tiger straps. I really want them. I knew that would appeal to him. They like, do yeah. great down He's in Brazos like, County. Can you imagine? Right my I, kids. I, I'm doing it right now. My it's, kids love the Brahmins. So at San Antonio, we were there at the same time as the Brahmins. And of course, my little panhandle kids have never seen one. And they mm-hmm. were like, my, Harper is like, we have to get one. Like, I have to have one of those. And I'm like, honey, it will not survive. It will die <laughs> up here. Cannot come here. No, you cannot have one. So I think there are many. I've seen some mini bucking bulls, though. 
Oh. Looks like Brahmins anyway. I know there's mini zebus. Like they have shows yeah. for mini zebus and mini longhorns. I'm telling you, it's the new niche. Okay, well, when you retire one of your mini Herefords, because Herefords can make it down here. Mm, I have steers. So as I have to explain to my child, we're not going to be able to keep them and breed them. Hey, Joe, she manages her cattle. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody quite classily taught us that term earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it means he owns a pocket knife. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to hear more about this later. <laughs> I have questions. Uh, new business idea for you, though, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Mini F1s. I mean, Can you imagine, though? I Yeah, they're still probably wild, I bet. But they'd be cute. There's a lot of money in the mini deal. Yeah. I mean, really, like that. Mm -hmm. What a niche someone came up with for, like, these, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. cattle that probably were worth like you know nothing, nothing. and now yeah, all of a sudden it's like they're worth a lot i'm here to tell you yeah, yeah. so <laughs> are there a lot of them out there oh yeah for sure like at san antonio probably 120 head at the show at san antonio mm. and that was one of the bigger shows we went to uh junior nationals they have uh, i don't understand all that logistics there's two different junior nationals mm -hmm. but the junior nationals we went to there was probably 100 head yeah it's pretty Pretty big business. Lots in Texas. Um, at Junior Nationals were a lot of people from Iowa. I mean, all over the country, but but those were probably the two biggest represented states. Oklahoma. Yep. It's wild. You need to try it, Joe. I'm telling you. I'm into it. Yep. Well, Tiffany, we've really enjoyed visiting with you today. Yeah, thank uh, you guys so much for having hey, me. Hey, that was a blast. Thank you for making time for us. Thank you for all that you do for the ag industry and all of the knowledge you spread to farmers and ranchers it's it's invaluable and hey for you, us ag lawyers i mean you help us out a ton so well we you're very kind and i do want to say seriously thank you guys to capital farm credit you guys sponsor almost everything i do i mean you sponsor my blog you sponsor my podcast a lot of my programs um has your name on it as well and so i really appreciate all the support from capital for the work that i do what how can they find all that yeah the best place to find me is to go to that texas agriculture law blog you can google it um, that's where you'll find there's a list of all my presentations that are coming up. Uh, link to the podcast is there. All the um, handbooks or fact sheets I ever write, you can download for free right there on that website. Awesome. Perfect. Well, yep. we sponsor it because we believe in it and we thank you so much for your time. Had a blast. Appreciate yeah, thanks, it. Thanks, guys. Thank you for joining us today on Capital Roots. Texas agriculture is the foundation of our story and what makes us family. Capital Farm Credit is a proud member of the Farm Credit System. We finance farmers, ranchers, agricultural producers, and rural landowners, and we're here to make your vision a reality. We've been serving rural Texas for more than a century. Whether it be traditional, innovative, or lifestyle, we'll help you cultivate new ground. We're all in this together. Because together, we're better.